0: Welcome to Season 3 of the ASCA Viewpoints Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the student conduct profession in higher education. I'm Alexandra Hughes, your Viewpoints host. And welcome back to another episode of the ASCA Viewpoints Podcast. (laughs) As always, I am your host, Dr. Alexandra E. Hughes, and we are back with another episode, another week. Uh, We are actually one week away from our annual. National 2021 uh, ASCA Conference. So if you are not registered, you need to be registered. Like I don't know what you're doing, go get registered. It is going to be an amazing conference. Of course, it's virtual. Uh, Yeah, I know, I'm disappointed like everyone else. I I miss in-person conferences. So hopefully in the future, we will be able to do those, of course, safely, but that is okay. The team of people that have put together this conference have been working. I am ecstatic to see just all the different presentations that will be happening this year. And I wish I could be like in five different virtual sessions at once. And I tried to think if I could like figure that out, but I can't. I'm not even going to stress myself out, but I am just, I can't wait. It's going to be a great time. So please make sure if you are not registered and you want to know all things that are happening and student conduct, go to the conference. Uh, So yeah. So this week on the show... Uh, My guest and I actually talked about the idea or the topic of age and student conduct and how we display ourselves and connect with students based off of if we're older, if we're younger or somewhere in between. It was definitely an interesting conversation, a different perspective, and I truly think you will enjoy the episode. Now, the guest that I have on the show this week, her name is Sydney Shiner, and Sydney serves as the current coordinator for Conduct and Community Engagement in the Dean of Students Office at Villanova University. Originally, she is from central New Jersey, where she earned her bachelor's degree in communication from the University of Delaware in 2016. During her time at UD, Sydney was heavily involved in the orientation program, which is where she got her start in higher education. She immediately moved to Knoxville, Tennessee to pursue her master's degree in college student personnel from the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. There, Sydney first entered the world of student conduct as a graduate assistant in the Office of Student Conduct and Community Standards, and it was certainly not love at first sight. However, Sydney credits mentors and a serious shift in perspective for empowering her to find her place in this work. She started at Villanova University in July of 2018 and has remained in her position since. Sydney currently resides in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania right in the heart of the historic district and she is an American history nerd so this is a perfect place for her right now. When a pandemic happens and therefore creates a lot of downtime, Sydney reluctantly enjoys watching The Bachelor (laughs) making home made bagels and has re- recently tried out a new hobby which is indoor rock climbing. Also, something that Sydney does and she talks about it on the show, she actually does watercolor paintings. No, let me re say that. She does incredibly Beautiful watercolor paintings of like university buildings. And it's a thing. She actually sent over some pictures. So I'll probably have to post those just on our social media. If you don't follow us, it's of course at ASCA podcast on Instagram and Twitter. So make sure you do that so you can connect with Sydney, connect with her watercolor paintings, and uh, go from there. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and I look forward to connecting with you all on the web. Bye.
1: So welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much. We're having too much fun for two student conduct professionals.
0: I feel like we have to have fun as student conduct professionals because we deal with like the hardest stuff ever. So I think that we are probably the most fun people on campus, whether anyone else acknowledges that or realizes it,
1: I agree. And, you know, you and I briefly talked about this earlier, but bringing humor into the conduct process and just your work, whether it's behind the scenes, sometimes in front of the scenes, it's so important to offset what we do for sure. It it is, it is. So will you please tell everyone who
0: you are? Um, you know, talk a little bit about yourself. Remember we're on a recorded podcast, so, you know, no like deep down dark secrets, unless you just want to share that with the world. But if you could share a little bit about who you are, what you do, um, just so everyone knows who we have on the show today.
1: Absolutely. So first of all, thanks so much for having me. My name is Sydney Shiner. I use she, her pronouns, and currently I work at Villanova University. Um, I've been here going on about two and a half years now. I started in July of 2018, um, a day after my 24th birthday, um, which I will get into a little bit. So I've been here for two and a half years, um, and my experience in conduct really started um, as I was a graduate assistant. Uh, in the Student Conduct and Community Standards Office at the University of Tennessee. That's where I did my uh, master's degree in uh, college student personnel, graduated from there and came on over to Villanova. So a little bit about my role here. I work in the Dean of Students Office and predominantly focus on the student conduct process. I have a little bit of a focus on our off-campus population. So I'm a lot of the times hearing some of those cases, but definitely do a lot of on-campus stuff as well. Um, And really just across the board and being at a Dean of Students office is really great because there are so many other things I can do in addition to being a conduct officer, which I'll also talk a little bit more about. Um, A little bit about me. I live in Philadelphia. I live in Old City. Um, So I am right around all the uh, fun historic things. I pass the Liberty Bell every day on my way to work. I pass Independence Hall, all that good stuff. I... Uh, over the course of quarantine, got really back into painting. Um, so I'm actually a watercolor artist and specialize in uh, buildings, houses, and I kind of found my niche in uh, college campus buildings. So I actually paint college campus buildings. Um, that's been a really fun activity that I've done, you know, to kind of loop in my higher ed interests and what I do. But that's been a really great activity for me to do as well. So. Um, I like to bring it, that in. That's a really fun thing that I do. Um, I'm an avid Survivor fan. I've never missed an episode of Survivor. So I would love to chat with people about that. Uh, and I love to cook. Okay, so I have to go back.
0: So you paint, co- we need to talk about that. That's important. So you paint college buildings. Tell like,
1: yeah. Talk about this. <laughs> absolutely. so I, I was painting I painted a lot when I was younger, you know, through the college years, let it go a little bit. And as we all did over quarantine, we were looking for things to do, and I pulled out my watercolors, and I started painting and evolved into a little bit of a side hustle into painting specifically college campus prominent buildings on college campuses. So I um, people reach out to me with where they are and what building they want. And I do custom paintings and would love to show you sometimes. So that is for so cool.
0: Okay. Yeah. So we're going to have to, yeah, that's going to, that's, that's really, really cool that you do that because I, I could see that being like a really good hustle. That's like a full-time job. Like, you know, you never know where, you know, where life is going to take us. So that, that's exactly. actually really cool. Exactly. Yeah. I really enjoy it. And all because of like COVID, it just you just came out and you were like, hey, like let's like I need something to do because like we were all trying to find something to do. And so you picked back up on that that skill and the love and the passion that you have. And you can do that. That's really cool. Okay. So we'll do a whole nother episode about that because clearly I'm going down a rabbit hole that has, you know, nothing to do with student conduct in the episode, but I will do that because that's just who I am as a person, right? I'm constantly going down rabbit holes. Well, thank you for being here. We are Definitely happy to have you on the show. Um, So let's talk a little bit about this topic um, that uh, we kind of had a past conversation about um, revolving really around the idea of student conduct um, and age, Mm -hmm. right? And I I guess I'm gonna kind of preface this with the, the understanding and most people I think know in student conduct, Really, when we're dealing with students, we're not talking about like terrible people. Right. We're ninety nine point nine percent of the time. They're just college students that have probably made a mistake. (laughs) And we are just a part of their educational journey right along the way to get them to understand rules and policies, accountability, all all of that good stuff. And so there is a perception of student conduct offices and the administrators and all these things that uh, when you walk into the student conduct office, either A, we're like the vice principal's office, right? Um, Or B, we're gonna be like super old, super gray and basically not understand anything about anything important that the students are going through. And then they walk in to the office And they see you or me or whoever, right? Someone who they weren't expecting, right? Um, So one of the things that you shared with me was that in the past, you hid your age to the students that came in due to you being slightly younger than maybe your student conduct coordinator counterparts, right? How how am I doing for like kind of explaining that as far as getting this there? Okay, Okay, we're good. Um, So let's talk about that. Let's talk about age, student conduct, your story about like what made you hide your age. Let's get into that. I want to hear about that.
1: Sure. So just as a little bit of background, I, I went to the University of Delaware for my undergraduate degree. I was an orientation leader. I was a tour guide. That was how I found my way into higher ed. So the total that type of archetype college student. I mentioned I went to the University of Tennessee for my graduate degree and I, my graduate assistantship was in the office of student conduct and community standards. Uh, I'll tell you the spark note version is that at first I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I was unsure of what I was doing in the office. I didn't see how I fit. I quite honestly thought to myself, I have too much of a personality to be doing this work. Why am I showing up to this assistantship every day to essentially see the worst parts of the university? And I don't mean the worst students, just like you said, we don't meet with bad students, but we show up to work every day and see the worst situations. Some of the lowest points in these students' lives, we show up and that's our job, is to read about it, help them get through it. And I could not understand why I was there. And I had a really eye-opening conversation with my supervisor, who's a mentor to me to this day. Her name's Amanda Samsel. She is the director currently at the University of Tennessee's conduct office. She really helped me frame that I don't not fit into this field because I have a personality don't view that as, you know, a reason to not be here. View that as that's a gap in this field that we need people with energy. We need people with a sense of humor. We need people with that empathy. And, and I'm going to, I think I really see you in this field. There's a place for you. You're actually really needed. And long story short, I, I started to see it that way. And so when I decided that I wanted to go into conduct, an insecurity of mine was my age. So I, like I said, I, I, you know, I applied for this Villanova job. I ended up getting it. I started a day after my 24th birthday. So here I am this really eager 24 year old who's showing up getting paid now to do this. And that was my moment where I was like, Oh wow. Okay. Now it's me. I I can't lean on that. You know, I'm just the GA anymore. Here I am. I'm calling the shots. Oh no. What do I know? And so at first I I mean, I, I guess hid my age in the sense that I, I mean, how many times are we explicitly talking about our age at work? Probably not often, but I felt myself over overcompensating. whether that was in my language and emails making it super formal, or you know, when students came in kind of covering up that, Friendliness. I'm probably being too hard on myself. I probably, I'm sure that I was, you know, approaching it the way that I do and the way that I love. So I'm probably being a little bit hard on myself, but I felt myself trying to overcompensate because here I am, 24 years old, you know, a couple years ago, sitting in front of a 21 or 22 year old telling them that they're on disciplinary probation for XYZ violation. And this is part of me that's saying, Who am I to tell you that you're now on probation for? quite frankly, something I probably did two, three, four years ago, whatever it was. And so I thought that they were coming into my office thinking the same thing. And I assumed that, that they are going to call me out. They're going to come in here and say, who is this girl who's talking to me? She can't be more than two, three years older than me, which true at the time. And I, and I really felt myself covering covering that up because I, I had this these moments of sitting here. I've been in their shoes. Who am I to, to tell you? And that's really where that insecurity started. So
0: two things. One, um, do you actually think looking back now that even with all the formal things that you did and the you know the the overcompensation, right? Do you think that it actually worked? And no. people, okay, all right. So that was the first question, right? And then the second thing is, did any of those students ever actually call you out on it and say, oh, you're like young, you must only be two years older. Like, did it ever happen? Never. Never. Okay. So it never, so, so one they knew too or they assumed right and I think part of it too is assumption they probably didn't know exactly you know what I mean as far as how many years or what it could be I think there's also an assumption I mean we have all these things about like oh my goodness you're actually this old like I know I'm black and we say black don't crack so like you know there's all these different like things so it's probably like people can kind of guess but they never really like know but even still with that they knew you were young but they no one ever called you out on saying oh my my God, you did this two years ago. Who are you to tell me what to do?
1: Absolutely not. And I think if I can talk kind of about the shift that I started to see in myself was, you know, as I came into this job, you know, we all have some sort of imposter syndrome when we come into a new job. And especially being my first job out of grad school, I certainly did. But over time, you get good at your job and you get comfortable. And I started to get good at my job. And when that started to happen, I, I don't even want to say accidentally, that's the wrong word, but I just became more myself. And through that, what started happening is I really couldn't hide that age piece anymore. And when I say age, I guess I more so really mean that relatability element. And when I started getting more comfortable in the conduct meetings and more familiar with the process, I started to let my own guard down. And what came out was. That that just that natural way that I'm gonna approach something. And sometimes that's gonna be with a joke. That's gonna be with um, you know, asking them something just because I'm a conversationalist. We all are in this field. We're conversationalists. We gotta build that rapport with something, someone really quickly. And what I started to, you know, really lean on was wait, well. I'm really not that far off an age from you and I can't hide it because now it's taking more energy for me to try to put a barrier between that rather than just let it happen. And when I started to let that happen, what actually started happening was people, you know, students calling me out on it, but in a positive way. So what I started to recognize was, you know, and I would sit there with the students, I, I hey, listen, I get it. I've been to the frat parties too. I totally get it. Um, Hey, yep, jungle juice, it's going to get you, right? We want to be really careful with that. When I started kind of slipping those things into the meetings and just being honest with them and letting my guard down, then students would start to say to me, you're, wait, you're, you, you get it. Like you really get it. And I, I, it sounds like you, you really understand where I'm coming from. And when I started to get that response, I was like, why am I trying to act like I am some upper level administrator who is older and maybe a little bit more out of touch with this generation? Why am I not leaning on this more? And so I started to really leverage that aspect of what I was bringing to my job. Um, And I really have just found a way to infuse that personality that I like to bring to work into my conduct meetings and not just keeping it behind the scenes, but actually using it in my meetings.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's that authenticity piece, right? We're asking students to come into our offices and be authentic in who they are and share their story and explain what, why, and who, who, who what, where, what, like, what were you thinking in this particular case? And so it, in a sense, it's also that same kind of mirror, right? Like we need to be authentic in a way as well. And I think it goes into what you were saying. You under, you're not so far off to understand, you know, the language. So the lingo, if it's the jungle juice, if it's the, what, whatever it may be. Right. Um, But I think that goes into the idea of language. We always talk about how important language is and, understanding what students are saying can really make a difference. And if we're finding students responsible or not responsible, and if you speak the language of whatever student, you know, and they know that you get it, then they're going to be able to tell their story and feel comfortable telling their story to you.
1: Absolutely. And Like you said, bringing that authenticity into the meeting. If we're expecting that of our students, we we got to expect that of ourselves. And sometimes we'll get an opportunity to explicitly state that to a student. There have absolutely been plenty of conduct meetings where you know, like I was saying earlier, I'll say to the student, "Hey, the RA once knocked on my door too." Or, "Hey, I I've been to that kind of party before. I know it could get crazy. I know it can go downhill real quick. I've been there." Sometimes I do. I am able to. Incorporate that explicitly, but even just being honest with yourself, mm-hmm. and given that, you know, that's going to find its way into the process by just how you're approaching it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I know you and I talked about this earlier, but I had this, you know, I, I idea for an, maybe sometime down the road, you know, a presentation at asca And I was going to open it up with this question. So I'll ask kind of the listeners now to ask yourselves this question. One, have you when you were in college, did you go through the conduct process or two, should you have gone through the process? Uh, I will tell you all right now, I never once went through the conduct process at the University of Delaware. I should have. I am not going to lie to you. I absolutely did things that if I got caught, I would have landed myself straight in a conduct meeting. And I don't know how it would have gone, honestly. So. I use that to say, rather than how I originally approached this job of saying, I never got caught, who am I to tell you now that you are getting caught and you are getting held accountable in this process? Now I view it, hey, I should be the one hearing your case, because guess what? I'm not far from you. I've had these experiences. And let me tell you how to just go about this smarter, more safely, whatever it might be, because I relate to you.
0: Mm, That's so true. And I think there's... There's so much education that comes into those conversations um, because of experience. And I think in life we recognize that, right? Like you talk about parents and grandparents, you know, I looked, I talked to my dad, he's almost 70. And he says, well, I've done it before. Like I have life experience, Alex. Like I, I've been there, I've done that. Now, yes, things have changed. Like the internet didn't exist when he was, you know, my age or any of that stuff. And so, yes, there's always gonna be differences. But it's also the experience of life that gets people to understand, like, I know where you're coming from. And even those educational conversations, I'll take it a step further because you know what jungle juice is. And because we know how it can impact different, different situations, even me being able to talk to students and say, it has pineapple. I understand that you, you believe that you understand how much alcohol that you can consume. And maybe normally that's the case, but anything with pineapple juice, pineapple juice cuts the alcohol taste. So you really don't have a good frame of reference. And I think it's all of those experiences that allow us to be able to talk to students and say, Hey, like, and be, and really being able to understand, okay, you're telling me you had, you know, if it's a red solo cup with this much amount, well, I know what this is made of. So I know that you really don't know what's in there. Um, and honestly, I don't know if anyone ever knew what was in the <laughs> If, if I, think that, I really don't know all the stuff that was in it like at the fraternity parties my goodness that's crazy when you think I have that, no idea. Like, I don't first of all let's let's talk about this why did we drink stuff out of a cooler like all the stuff that you did in college that you think back and I'm like and
1: in the age of COVID I would never Can you imagine I showed up to parties and drank what was there I didn't ask questions I just drank the juice we did that, <laughs> but that, was it. We did that.
0: that's so terrible
1: of it or I didn't and nice. so I get it you know when I have some other professionals you know will say to me well how could they ever be so whatever to do that I'm like no think about it Right. Well, we have to think about it from
0: the lens of someone who's 18 years old, and I think yes. that's part of it too. When we, whenever I look at conduct cases, and even when I'm looking at this idea of what a reasonable person know, I take it a step further and I say, not a what a reasonable person at my age who has a job bills, this, 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 this. No, but would a reasonable person who's 18 Straight out of their house, never been had any type of freedom before. All these different things, would they know? And I think as we get older, even in this role, we often forget what these things were like. But even we do that when it comes to like, like businesses, higher education, even like the job search process. Right. I often think about when I'm reviewing people's resumes um, for positions and I'll see things that are absolutely like wild or crazy. Like, why would you ever put, I don't know, colored ink and this and all this crazy stuff. Right. But What I like to do with that is take an extra five seconds to not judge this person for that, but to say maybe someone just didn't teach you. Right. Because none of us know everything. And if we're not taught the skills of how to do a resume, a cover letter of whatever, whatever, whatever then you're trying your best. And who's to say you wouldn't be the perfect person for the position that I have. You know, you may be honestly 10 times better than anyone that I ever could have thought of. But if I don't take the time to look at that and I think, think back to that role, or, you know, the first time I ever had to apply for a job and, you know, all these different things, we often forget as we keep moving up, right? And we keep moving up in age. We forget about college students and that gap honestly could really end up being a downfall rather than something positive if we're not careful.
1: Exactly. And you, you said it perfectly when you said it just gets harder as you get older. Does not mean that as you age in this field, you can't relate to students. That's not what that means, but we have to work. You have to work a little bit harder. And so that's where, you know, when I'm coming from, you know, in wanting so badly to talk about this is let let me and let younger conduct professionals leverage this time in your career where you don't have to think back as far. You don't have to put in, you know, as much, I guess, explicit effort to reach back because it wasn't that long ago because it is going to come quickly that you start to be out of touch. And I feel like I'm starting to kind of hit that right now. So I'm 26 now and I'm starting to kind of hit that cusp where I'm starting to hear words and I'm like, what does that mean? Like, for example, you know, one of the first words that I'm, you know, I'm hearing, you know, Gen Z say, cause I, I am a millennial and I'm going to hold on to that is they say, Oh, I'm, I'm really emo today. And I'm like, email, like when I think of email, I'm thinking like my chemical romance, like. That's email. what I would think. Yeah, that's what you think, right? Email. And they're like, oh no. Hot topic back <laughs> in the day. Right, right? Like, so they're like, no, that just means that you're feeling emotional. Like I'm feeling like. Oh, like, literally, email, e- emotional, email. E- oh. I'm just emotional. Like, oh, that song made me email or that. Um. I'm feeling real emo. It's my last semester here. I'm like, oh, whoa, this is changing. This language is changing. That is interesting. So I'm starting to kind of hit that cusp where I'm starting to feel myself like, you know, turn that corner. So I'm really trying to hold on to, and it's Mm -hmm. about finding those things. And I think something also that's so important as conduct professionals, that I'm so grateful that my um, institution allows me to do, my supervisor allows me to do is get exposure outside of the conduct process. So for example, I do a whole bunch of other stuff on campus that, yes, it's not in my job description, as we all do, but really taking that opportunity to allow the student body to get to know you outside of the conduct process. So whether it's, you know, being a facilitator for safe zone training, or we have like a low ropes course on campus that I facilitate, you know, student groups, um, just having your door open, I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm right across from the student government office. So my students who are, I've never met through the conduct process, but are across the hall, you know, we stop in, we talk bachelor, we talk, um, you know, Bridgerton, whatever it is that they're watching and I'm watching. and We get to know each other because it's so important for you to start making a name for your office on campus through those little interactions, because what's going to happen eventually and this has happened. I'm so, I get so happy when this happens. Once in a while, because a student will tell me, you know, I'll have a student come to me and say, hey, Sid, um, one of my friends is actually meeting with you next week, or one of my friends met with you last week and they were really nervous, but I told them, you know, they're they're in good hands with Sid. And that's like the best thing I can hear. And I always clarify, I always say, make sure you're not telling them, it's not like they're going to get off easy with me, right? Like, no, 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 no. It's just that you're, you're like a normal person and I'm like.
0: But it's true, I love everything that you said. Um, It was funny, even when I moved to my, even this current position that I'm in now, when I first got here, I spent, and obviously with my supervisor's uh, permission and he knew what I was doing, right? But I spent as much time in the office as I did outside of the office. And I was very intentional in going and doing exactly what you said, walking around and going to, I don't know, the union and getting food and calling people out and just doing all of these different things things because like you said, I wanted people to know me outside of just student rights and responsibilities. And I'm so thankful for that. And I think one of the things that I miss about being in person and, you know, in the office is just truly that I mean, honestly, I probably didn't get much work during the done during the day, which is why I would have to stay after hours. You know what I mean? And everything else, truthfully. But I miss them. Just I mean, students walking into the office being like, I'm here to see Alex. I'm here to see. And I mean, it would have nothing to do with student conduct, but they want they felt that my office was a safe space, which I think is incredible when you are the student conduct officer and you have the ability to do all the things that we do. And even still students feel feel that your office is still a safe space, I think what you're doing is incredible, but that's how we make those connections. And so it's been harder, I think, with COVID and being online and what that looks like now. And so even trying to still find intentional ways and groups that I'm a part of on campus and things that I'll do um or in this case last year I got TikTok. I truly got TikTok because I needed to understand what the students were doing. I've kept TikTok because I could care less what the students were doing and it's the most fantastical amazing thing ever.
1: <laughs> we all did it. We all <laughs> resisted and then we all did it. Um and we even got to the point I'll tell you in my office. We even made a TikTok so we just really we really went for it and we just ran, with it. ran I, with it I you know what I'm here for it I absolutely love that because I was like
0: I just this is the best thing ever and I know the people in my life get so annoyed because literally
1: every day I'm like oh I saw on TikTok oh I saw on TikTok where I, I keep saying the most used phrase of 2020 was there's this TikTok where or did you see the TikTok where? It is not, not, not. so bad. I've even done with students and I'm like,
0: oh, I saw this TikTok about, and they're like, I said, oh yeah, I know. I, I know about TikTok. Or when I come across, like one of the students that works in our office has a tick because, you know, sometimes it's by region. I don't know how the algorithm works for TikTok because I'll see things in like Atlanta where I'm from, but then I'll come across students here and it's weird. But anyways, I came across his TikTok and I was like, nope, I don't want to know. I don't want to see. I don't want to luckily it wasn't anything inappropriate but it was so funny because I think we were in a meeting and I said, so I saw your TikTok where you were and he was like,
1: Oh, I was like, yeah, you better watch. You better watch yourself. <laughs> great segue you into posting on social media and nothing disappears on social media and it's a great segue and be like, yeah, I yeah, did see it. I
0: saw your TikTok. So talk to me about this. We've talked about students and how it's worked. What about other professionals in the field? When you are at, you know, whether it's student conduct conference, I don't want to just say ASCA, but more so just, I think, all the ACPA, NASPA. I mean, there's so many just different things. And whether it is a conference, whether it is just engaging with people and maybe there's a separation, I probably should make this distinction. I think higher ed is a little bit better than like the faculty academic side, because I think all of us on the higher ed side, we different shapes, sizes, this, that, whatever, ages, we're, we're, we're a little bit more, I think, and maybe, maybe I'm just partial to us. I think we're more inclusive, But then you have faculty members that are not in, you know, the student affairs type of side. So what has your experience been, I guess, with other professionals?
1: That's a great question. And I would agree with you that we are such an inclusive field and it's, you know, it perpetuates itself. It's inclusive. So people want to get into it and then they stay in it. And then they're the people who are inclusive. It's just this awesome perpetuated community that I do really think we are really, um, exceptional in that and not by any means perfect, but I think we are an exceptionally inclusive field. Um, I I can't think of any explicitly, you know, negative experiences that I have with professionals. Um, I think if anything, I have censored myself and not given myself opportunities and put that barrier on myself when it comes to interacting with higher level, upper, upper level administrators. And then I realized that when I do voice my opinion, when I do put myself out there, it's received really well. Because in the conduct field, um, yeah, generally speaking, I'm the youngest person in the room. Um, I think with residence life, there's a little bit more of a focus on younger professionals, typically with area coordinators or RDs, you're going to see some younger professionals. But when it comes to co- coordinators or assistant directors of conduct, I generally, one of the youngest people in the room and that's why I think I so badly wanted to talk to you about this because I was having trouble finding that community in in ASCA or, or higher education with a conduct focus specifically. And so I know that we're out there, but it's definitely a skill to be able to navigate these meetings where, yeah, I'm talking to VPs and I'm talking to deans and I'm talking to directors of, who are generally a lot older than me. And I have really found that they are super receptive. And it's, you know, kind of at the point where, you know, people that I work with here, they'll say, you know, Sid, you're young, what do they mean when they say this? Or, you know, what, um, what do you think, you know, you're not far out of college, what's kind of your inside, you know, view on this, and I can kind of share that. And again, so it's that leverage. So I think that other professionals actually really gravitate toward people, you know, closer to my age. And um, I really have not experienced uh, any sort of People, you know, not listening to me or not feeling, you know, not hearing what I say is valid. And and maybe I'm just not noticing. Maybe I'm just choosing to not notice this. <laughs> um, but I think it. it I, I am generally my, those interactions are are really positive because I think there, you know, some older people in the field are really excited to see kind of a new generation of conduct professionals because the field has just evolved so much. And quite honestly. If the field was what it was 5, 10, 25 years ago, I don't even know if I'd be in it, to be frank with you. So I one of my professors at uh, University of Tennessee is Dr. Karen Boyd, who's really well known in the field. And she's totally um, mentored me, you know, into this field. And she's an excellent example of someone who's been in the field for a long time, but is current and knows where the field is going. And, you know, when she's explaining to me what it was like to be, you know, in, we'll say, quote, you know, judicial affairs in the 90s, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't even know if I want that job. And so I think it's really exciting to bring myself and for younger professionals to bring themselves into the conduct process and into the field because it's evolving and it's Now it's way more focused on social justice and education. And we're leaning away from that legalistic um, nature that I really only experienced maybe a little bit, um, you know, at some other institutions. But where we're headed is just so progressive, I think. And so we really need it here. We got it.
0: I think that's why I love student conduct so much. I agree with you. I think that I'm in it at the right time. I've often questioned if this would have been my thing, you know, in the '80s or in the '90s or like I don't know, like years ago, right? Yeah. Um, or even ten years ago, right? Like what? Like what that would look like. And so I, I, I agree with you. I love the direction where it's going, and I think that people who are who have even been in it, like you said, um, Dr. Boyd, who's been doing this for years, the people that are still in it who have been doing it, they love it to the point of where I think they're very intentional with <laughs> ensuring that they are current because the the. the, the If you weren't intentional and you aren't current, when someone says something about, I don't know, someone posted something with um, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it may be, the internet didn't exist years ago. So, like, how could you, if you weren't aware of how these things worked, then you wouldn't be able to navigate these conversations with students.
1: Even, right, talk about staying current. You know if you're dealing maybe with a certain kind of case, maybe a title nine case that involves a certain dating app. Well, hey, I can tell you the difference between Bumble, between her, between Tinder, between Grinder. Like I know the nuances because I'm that's our generation. I can tell you what the difference is between those apps. So where someone who maybe didn't grow up with that. They think of it all maybe as match.com. I don't know. And I'm like, no, it's way more nuanced than that. So maybe that can actually really impact how we're going to hear this case because I know the differences and I know the nuances, whether it's language, whether it's TikTok versus Snapchat. You know, so it's really important to give attention to those younger conduct professionals. And even the like you said, the nuances of each one and what it means,
0: I also think it'll be incredible to see how, uh, you know, I'm a researcher through and through to see how COVID has impacted or... well, we're in it right now, but will impact like this next generation moving forward, because I think you'll have a whole generation of people whereas before it was like, oh, my God, you met someone online on Match. Like, oh, my God. Why would you do that? Well, now you have a whole year in which we were inside the house, which I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm, this is an arbitrary number. Ninety eight percent of people who met each other probably met on an app of some sort, because you could not meet in a traditional, I don't know, bar, restaurant, whatever, whatever, wherever people would meet. So now you probably met someone on an app. So now you're going to have a whole generation of people where that's going to be normal or that's the whole way they got together so I think that's just it's incredible to see how that changes the perceptions behind things and like you said well what you do on Snapchat is different than what you do on Twitter is what you do on like it's so different Um, and it's important to stay relevant and consistent and we have to meet students where they are I always get really upset with administrators old young whoever who say, well, you know, the student has to come. We can't do this, or we are going to have to do a traditional style lecture. We're going to have to do whatever it is because that student is in college and they need to be able to sit in a lecture hall for two hours. And I'm like but even you wouldn't want to do that. So why would you ask them to, like, I wouldn't want to do that. Trust me, when I have to give a like, and I teach, when I give lectures, like I have to give actual lectures and lecture, well, I guess now I do it from my home. But even when I do lectures in a lecture hall, I'm like, okay, what are we doing? Let's get some involvement. I don't even want to sit there. So why would I want you to sit there? So when we're talking about programming and uh, everything else, but getting students to understand the importance of student conduct, they're going to understand it more from a 60-second TikTok than they will from a 60-minute lecture that you're going to give.
1: And something, and this could be a whole other conversation, but I think something I'm really interested in is how we are going to start adapting our codes of conduct to be more digestible from students because, you know, we have these huge books of all these policies. And yes, you are responsible for knowing them. Absolutely. Absolutely. We know that our students are not sitting there reading 100 pages of a code of student conduct. So, do we need to start making one-minute videos to highlight these really important policies? Do we need to start getting on Instagram to say, "Hey, here's a snapshot of what this policy looks like"? Like you said, like meeting them where they're at because is it fair anymore to hand them a you know a book or at least maybe in a PDF and say? well, you're responsible for knowing 100, these 100 pages. Yes, they are. And that is part of being the world, just in the same way we need to know laws. And we're responsible for knowing our state, local, federal laws, whatever it might be. Yes, but we have such an opportunity in higher ed to right, meet people where they're at. And our processes can change sometimes a lot faster than um, government policies and whatnot. And that's why I love it is because, you know, and again, this can vary per institution, but we just have the ability to make those changes at a quicker pace. And so there's I always say there's a reason I work in higher ed and, and I don't work in law or government. While there's a lot of parallels, I just love that student element and that educational element. That's so funny. I always say
0: things move at the speed of higher education. And I think I'm still in the on the side of like higher ed being so slow when it moves. But for me, this year was so incredible because we saw how quickly. We were able to adjust. I think there were things that, I mean, there's been things for years I've been trying to get people to do at this institution, and I'm not going to name names, but I was just like, if we would just do one, two, three, XYZ, come on. And literally, in a matter of like a week, it happened, and I was like, but it, 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 it could happen. I, I was like, I knew it could happen. I told you, it could happen. I told you I could work, but you that know, was I, it was, it has to be in the right season. I've learned that more than anything, which is, which is pretty terrible. But I think now we're starting to see, and people are starting to understand because I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, almost a year ago, I literally said, let's just, I just threw the whole rule book out. And that's what we all did. When people were saying, I remember getting phone calls from professors about, I don't know, it was, it was Zoom bombing. That's what it was. But I had no idea. Of course, I'd never heard of it before. We were like, what, week three in? And a professor was like, well, all this happened. What do I do? And I said, You know, that's a great question. Let me think about that. We were literally making up stuff. I know um, Christine uh, with ASCA, you know, she had all of those uh, just like almost like town hall meetings um, of us coming together, just saying How help, what do we do? And those were great because we were able to really kind of just, you know, think about things and come together and kind of create. But I think if we can still continue that same idea of recognizing and realizing that there might be something that could work a little bit better to meet our students, then maybe we should at least look into it and bridge those sides, right? Like we still have that hundred page student conduct PDF, but now we have some TikToks. Of me dancing, talking about it. I mean, I'm so... Honestly, I can't wait to get back to the office because I'm so here for partnering up with my students and making some TikToks and doing the whole thing. So I'm I'm completely 100% down.
1: Yes. I mean, like you said, the rule book is gone. It's absolutely gone. And so, yeah, why not hop into a TikTok with some of your students and use that to show your your personality and show your office in a way that you want? Because like you said, it's just... We proved that changes can be made. They had to be made. When they said unprecedented times, and then you actually had to face the fact that you didn't have a precedent for the case that you were hearing, you're like, oh, I get it now. That's what unprecedented means. I'm setting it. I got it. Um, So you're exactly right that we proved that we can make the changes. And so let's just not go back.
0: Yeah, no, I think we should still continue to move forward. So.
1: So Sid, is
0: there anything that you would like to share with our audience? I don't know, a book, a, a recipe, a watercolor set, a anything that you would recommend? I used to do this when we started to say to get through COVID, still foolishly thinking that it would be over in like, you know, a couple of months. Mm-hmm. But, you know, is there just anything that's giving you life that you're just here? I know you shared the watercolor, but is there anything else that you would recommend to our audience?
1: Yeah, I, I was thinking about this. So yeah, first of all, if you would like an original watercolor, reach out. I'll, I'm sure you'll What's share. What's your social experience? info? Where can people find you? Share that with our audience. Yeah, people can find me. I mean, I am, I'll, uh, you know, definitely like to connect with people in the field. I do have a role that students don't follow me on Instagram until I, until they graduate I promise you I'm not doing anything that uh, I wouldn't want to show them. It's more so to protect them. Um, I say, I don't want to know what you're doing. So let's, you know, hold off on that, but I'm happy to connect with um, student conduct professionals. So you can find me on Instagram at Sid Shine, S Y D S C H E I N. Happy to connect with you over that. Um, Shoot me an email at Sydney.Shiner at Villanova.edu. Um, but I'm mostly on, you know, Instagram and uh, just via email. So reach out if you're interested in any sort of artwork. As far as a recommendation, um, I am going to recommend a book that I always recommend. Um, I would recommend it to anybody, especially student conduct professionals. If you have not read Know My Name by Chanel Miller, um, I highly recommend uh, Chanel Miller. Uh, is a young woman who when she had just graduated college, she was sexually assaulted by a student who went to Stanford University, um, who also happened to be on the swim team. It was a really high profile case. And the book is from her perspective. Um, It's called Know My Name, because she actually spent a lot of the case and a lot of the trial under an anonymous name. She went by Emily Doe. And this book tells her story. And it does it focuses a lot on the criminal process, but she does dip a little bit into the student conduct process um, and so I just highly recommend it for any student conduct professional, but quite honestly just anybody in general. she's hilarious, it's relatable it's it's insightful, it's really an incredible read
0: okay i I haven't heard of it or read it um so I think I will add that to my list myself. Um, I've just now gifted myself audible because I was like, I don't have time to like read stuff. And I, you know, I'm a big podcast person, obviously. So I was like, well, maybe I should just get audible. So it's like a podcast and it's reading. It's been fantastic. I've now accomplished even more stuff. So I'm like reading a book and listening to a book at the same time and multiple, it's just, yeah, audiobooks are the way to go. I'm like here for it. So I will add that to my, to my list. Well, good. Well, Said it was amazing to have you on the show. Um, Please come back because I would love to continue this conversation. I'm also curious about, you know, in a certain amount of time, right? Like your experience as you progress through this field. So maybe we'll have to have you come back like every, like so many years. And like, I probably won't even be hosting the podcast anymore, but, and it'll probably be some type of like virtual hologram type thing. But we're just going to come back together and do it and be like, well, we just have to because we started this.
1: We have to. I mean, I would love to, Alexandra. You've been awesome. You made me want to reach out to you. Oh, thank you. So you really set this in motion and I'm just happy that I could kind of help help and shed some perspective. But I would love to come back. I have a million and one things I could talk about. I love the ASCA community. I'm devastated that we won't be able to see each other in person this year, but uh, this is hopefully the last year. Maybe we need to be virtual because it's my favorite week of the year. And I'm sad that we'll have to do it differently this year, but it's still going to be great. I love the community and I'm just excited to just be in this field.
0: Wonderful. Well, with that, we will talk to our audience next week. This episode was produced, edited and hosted by Alexandra Hughes. That's me. If you're enjoying the podcast, we ask that you like, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps others discover us and become more visible to our podcasting community. If you have suggestions for future guests or would like to be featured on the podcast yourself, feel free to reach out to us by email at ascapodcast at gmail.com or On Twitter at ASCA Podcast. If you'd like to connect with me on Twitter, you can find me at Alexandra's
1: View. Talk to us. We talk back.